0: I want to ask this all the question, where are you? And I don't mean that in a location, clearly you are here in church today, but I mean it in the same sense that, that God God Adam in the garden. Where are you? Where's your heart? Who do you serve? Where's your allegiance? If we were to examine our hearts from today or the past week or the past year or maybe the past 10 years, what might we find? How might you describe your association with Christ? Do you know him? Are you aware of what he's done? Do you believe he is who we say he is? How might your life line up with your lips? Family and friends, I'm afraid that many of us say we have faith, profess that we are Christians, but our lives and our actions sing a different song. We frequently go to church, we we grow up in Christian families, we go to Christian schools, we work for Christian companies, we even wear Christian apparel. But yet and still our hearts aren't near God. We've tasted and seen that the Lord is good and yet we still struggle to have faith, to believe. But here's the good news, that in Christ, God has made a way. We, ha- we, we have what we call salvation in Christ, that Christ has purchased salvation for us, for all who believe in him. And his works covers our failures. But by the spirit of Christ, we also now have the opportunity to choose to live rightly before him. That if you are listening to me now and you understand what I'm saying, you have the opportunity now to turn away from your ways of living if it's not right with Christ. And the church towards him. No matter if you're seven years old or you're 70 years old, no matter if you're black, white, Hispanic, or Asian, no matter if you're a member of this church or you're visiting, we must all have faith that works, a faith that's faithful. And at the end of, the, the end of, of Joshua Joshua, at the end of the the book, would sort of make this call sort of urgent. He would stress the importance of this call, this turning. He would say, choose today who you will serve. And I think we should feel the urgency in what Joshua ends with. By today, it means right now, right this minute, this second. Don't wait until you leave service. Don't wait until you get older or or wait until you clean yourself up. Choose today who you will serve. Have faith in the Lord Now. And the Lord in his wisdom and his mercy provides us with a cloud of witnesses, as we would call it. The Lord provides us with examples of men and women who will show us what true and genuine faith looks like. And one woman being Rahab. We find our text today. Hence the title of this sermon, Rahab, a model of faith. That through her, God would demonstrate that since God's covenant requires saving genuine faith, we must see if we have ascribed to it that since God's covenant requires genuine and saving faith, we must see if we actually ascribe to it. And by saving faith, I mean, like Rahab, by the spirit of God, you acknowledge what the Lord has disclosed, you accept what the Lord has done, and you act out what the Lord has demanded. So first, in Joshua, we see that since God's covenant requires saving faith, we must see if we have acknowledged what the Lord has disclosed. We must see if we've acknowledged what the Lord has disclosed. In our story, you know, as you as you as as we read, Joshua sends out two spies to check out the Promised Land, and they end up at Rahab's place somehow, um, which at that time many think is like a hotel of sorts. Uh, And the the city officials find out these two spies are in town, right? And so they go to Rahab's place to see where are they? Are the guys here? But I think it's important that we notice before we even get further how the Hebrew writer sort of slows down. And I think that's a good way for you to read your Bibles, that when when the text sort of speeds up over a certain amount of sentences and it begins to slow down, that's when we're called to pay attention, to sort of zoom in. So all of our focus should be and must be on Rahab. And so for us and our time today, we'll be focusing on what Rahab says and what she does. Because I believe it's what she says that provides the reasoning for what she does. So let's start with what she says. And I think the most important thing she says begins in verse 8. She says this I know that the Lord has given you the land, and the fear of you has fallen upon us. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea before you when you came out of Egypt. And in verse 11, she says, As soon as we heard it, our hearts melted, and there was no spirit left in any man because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in the heavens above and on the earth beneath. And then for me, when I was reading this, and maybe you can see the same thing, I almost pictured this being like social media. That that every time God has done something spectacular, miraculous, Moses is posting it on social media, on Instagram. He's out there taking selfies by the Red Sea. (laughs) Moses is going live as they defeated the different nations. You got other nations trolling in the comments. And Rahab is like, yeah, we follow you guys. We've seen it all. And from the time you left Egypt all the way until now. And, and, and since you started heading our way, man, we, we've gotten scared. We've seen what your God has been doing. And it's to my estimation, she says something extremely remarkable in verse 11. She says, for the Lord your God, he is God. He is the God in the heavens above and on earth below. In just a few words, Rahab acknowledges who God is. She recognizes what God has disclosed. The word of God was on display in the works of God, and Rahab has understood it. She has seen where the finger of God was pointing. It's as if God was playing charades, and Rahab got the right answer. Through the report she receives, Rahab will, will, will come to believe that the God of Israel is God. The Lord has uniquely revealed this to her by his works. She doesn't simply see God being a recreation, but she also sees his works of redemption, protection, provision for his people. And so as God's people are sort of outside of the promised land and, and, and God will write this account for us in Joshua, her story will be a reminder that we must consider all that God has done. That God has revealed what God has revealed about himself by his works. In many ways, God will use Rahab to call his people to open their eyes. To put this simply, Rahab didn't miss it. What God had unveiled by his works, Rahab noticed. What God has spoke by his works, Rahab listened. So my question for you as God's people, can you say the same? As you have heard the word of God preached, as you've heard the word of God read, as you have heard it, as you've seen it modeled, as you've heard the word of God sung and prayed, even today. Have you been missing it? Have you been listening to what God has been saying? Have you been seeing what God has been doing? Have you been noticing what God has been revealing? And I'm afraid that for some of us, the answer is, yes, I have missed it. That though God has blessed you to be in the company of his people and in the company of his word, you have even benefited from some of God's blessings. You have ignored him. You haven't considered who God is. And just like the other kings who were privy to the same information Rahab has received, you haven't submitted to who God has claimed to be. I don't know if you remember remember in Luke that Jesus heals 10 lepers. And after Jesus heals 10 lepers, if you guys remember the story, only one came back and showed gratitude. The other nine missed it. They didn't consider what had just happened. They didn't consider who Jesus was, what he was revealing. And family and friends, I'm here to tell you that if you ignore what God says, if you ignore what God has done, if you ignore who God is, you've ignored God altogether. So the encouragement we find in Joshua is an emphatic, is an urgent call to wake up, to pay attention. It is to follow Rahab and know the Lord and to know that the Lord is God. In other words, saving faith a genuine faith that the type of faith that we would say is an instrument for salvation requires us to start with the right knowledge. we seeing who God is for who he is and by, by knowledge I mean this it's, it's learning the information that we see in Scripture this information we hear from Scripture and what might some of that be? That God is the one and only true God? that he's the creator of heaven and earth, and he is the redeemer of those who will trust him for rescue. If you don't know that, you don't know God. If you want to enjoy the redemptive benefits of God's covenant, it requires saving faith. And the first order of such faith is acknowledging what the Lord has disclosed. And then we find that primarily in his word. But acknowledging the Lord isn't the only requirement. Right? We must also accept the works of the Lord. It's not enough to know something, we must also believe it. So, in addition, God was saying, Joshua, that since his covenant requires saving faith, we must see if we've accepted what the Lord has done. We must see if we've accepted what the Lord has done. Still focusing on what Rahab has said. Let's listen to what she says in verse 12. She says this, and this is amazing. Now then, please swear to me by the Lord that as I have dealt kindly with you, you will also deal kindly with my father's house and you will give me a sure sign and that you will save alive me, my father, my mother, my brothers, my sisters, and all who belong to them and that you will deliver our lives from death. Do you see how Rahab makes this personal? She says, swear to me, save a life, my family, deliver our lives. See, while she acknowledges that the Lord of God, the Lord God is the God of Israel, and he's the provider, protector, and redeemer of his people, she accepts this information and makes it personal by applying it, hey, can your God be mine? I know the Lord is your provider, but can the Lord be my provider? I know the Lord your God is your protector, but can he be my protector? I know the Lord God is your redeemer, but can he be my redeemer? Rahab is, is in, in many ways seen and heard enough. She wants to be with God, for she knows that it's the, it's the Lord who's leading his people in the judging the nations. She knows that no one is able to withstand the Lord's judgment. She's seen that firsthand. She's heard about it. She knows that there is nowhere in heaven or earth you can hide from the one who made heaven and earth. And so she wisely and humbly submits to what she knows about God and accepts it for herself. God would use Rahab to remind his people that their heritage isn't enough for personal faith. That just because they were in God's covenant family and they received some of God's covenant blessings, they have need to lay hold of God in their own hearts. And hasn't it always been about the heart? Even the outward signs of the covenant were meant to display the hope that they had in their hearts. Our deepest treasures and our deepest, our deepest longings lie within our hearts. True worship comes from the heart. This is why God would tell his people to love the Lord your God with all your heart. It's amazing what my... Baptist brothers would say, Rahab was chained on the inside. But God has clothes and his works has moved from her head down to her heart. God was no longer your redeemer. She wanted the Lord to be my redeemer. And so again, I ask you, can the same be said for you? Can the same be said for you? Have you accepted what you know about God for yourself? Have you taken hold of the faith for yourself? Have you stopped relying on the faith of others, the faith of your parents, the faith of your spouse, the faith of your friends? Because their faith is just that. Have you, like Rahab, sought redemption and rescue from the Lord God for yourself? Can you say that you love the Lord God with all your heart? And again, I'm afraid that for some of us, the answer is no. though you've come to church, you say Christian things, you know all the right Christian answers, you might even live in a Christian family, you have not laid hold of the faith for yourself. You have not accepted what the Lord has done. I imagine this is like trying to get into a country with someone else's passport. I must tell you that simply knowing the right information about God isn't enough for salvation. Growing up in a Christian family isn't enough. Living a part of a culture or a nation that ascribes to Christian morals and values isn't enough. You don't have the right passport, so to speak. You, don't, you have not accepted what the Lord has done for yourself. So again, it occurs when we find in And Joshua is an emphatic, is an urgent call to wake up, to pay attention and follow Rahab and to know that the Lord has saved his people from Egypt, to know the Lord is redeemer, but also to desire and seek redemption for yourself. In other words, saving faith, a genuine faith, the type of faith that's the instrument for salvation requires us to accept and receive what the Lord has done. And by accept and receive, I mean to make faith personal. I mean to take what the Lord has done to believe it true for you. That as you come to know yourself as a sinner and imprisoned by sin and overwhelmed by his penalty, that you're incapable of setting yourself free, of saving yourself, you've come to know that in love, God the Father, through God the Spirit, has sent God the Son to rescue you from sin's captivity to set you free to be his so that what God accomplished in Egypt through Moses let my people go so they may worship me it's true for you so then Rahab humbly asks God "With your redemptive plan the way you freed your people would that include me I know that you are a redeemer. I know that I'm in need of redemption. So would you redeem me? Has that been your experience? If you want to enjoy the redemptive benefits of God's covenant, again, it requires saving faith. And such faith not only requires acknowledging what the Lord has disclosed, but also accepting what the Lord has done. But well, we shouldn't stop there. We shouldn't stop there. What happens internally must come alive externally. Our faith must bear fruit. So while we acknowledge what the Lord has disclosed and accept what the Lord has done, we should now be moved to do something. In fact, we will learn in Joshua that through Rahab, since God's covenant requires saving faith, we must see if we act it out what the Lord has demanded. We must see if we've acted out what the Lord has demanded. I know we spent most of our time sort of looking at what Rahab has said, but let's turn to what she, now she has done. Remember, she said that God is the God, right? Israel's God is God. She's heard how God rescues, rescues his people from trouble and has gone out before them in battle, but also how she desires God's redemption and protection to be for her and her family. And all of these things will influence what she does next and before. All of what she's acknowledged and accepted moves her to do something. And we found our actions here. We see it first when the spies first arrived. The text says in verse 4 that Rahab had taken the two men and hidden them. And in verse 6 that she brought them up to the roof and hid them up there. And then when the city officials came to her place looking for them, she tells them to go a different way. That they left before the gates, the gates closed at dark. And then in verse 15, Rahab will help the two spies escape from the city and then further elude the pursuers after them outside the city. Now I know what, what we're experiencing here in the text is sort of outside of our context, so we don't really fully grasp what's happening. But in many ways, Rahab just committed treason, she's assisted two spies. To enemies. Not only did she hide them, but she intentionally tricked the authorities to go look for the spies in the wrong places. And not only that, she helped the spies escape. And all these actions, I'm certain, are against the law. And they found out it will cause her life. And her family's life. In other words, Rahab has put herself and her family's life on the line for Israel, but why? Why would she go such great lengths for these people? Why would she risk it all for these two spies? Why would she choose Israel over her own nation, over her own people? Here's, here's why I think why. On the one hand, the Lord has revealed to Rahab that it was He who redeemed His people. That it was he who kept his people while they were wandering in the wilderness. wilderness. It was he who protected his people and defeated their enemies. It was he who who had given his people the lands that they were about to move into. And on the other hand, by the grace of God, Rahab has accepted all that she has learned. She believes what she's heard and desires to submit to God. She believes God is the redeemer and desires to be redeemed. She believed God is the only true God and desires to submit to him, to worship him, to put her allegiance with him. She has confidence that the one who created life can preserve her life. And so again, I think for Israel, God will use Rahab to remind his people that your faith must produce works. There must be an outcome that what you have accepted is shown in how you act. That what you have believed is displayed in how you behave. That what you love is illustrated in how you live. If Israel truly believed that their God is one and the only God, they would have not sought redemption and rescue and safety in other nations and other gods. That who they truly wanted would have been reflected in who they worshiped. So the New Testament paints Rahab for us and praises her for her faith. James would say that Rahab was justified by her faith, as we said earlier. That what God has disclosed in his works had moved from her head down to her heart and now to her feet. And so again, I ask you, can the same be said for you? Does your life line up with your lips? Does your walk sync up with your words? Does your practice match your profession? If you were to examine your lifestyle, what might it say about your faith? If you were to examine your words, what might it say about your heart? If you took a look into your thoughts, what might it say about who you love and what you love? And I get it for many of us, if we're honest we have not given attention to good works. We struggle, that though the Lord has disclosed to us what he, who he is, and we confess that we accepted what the Lord has done, we lack evidence. That many of us don't think that our works actually matter. And I think as Reformed folks, we've heard so often that faith alone is saves you, and that's true. When we forget what it produces. So I must tell us, I must remind us that if we say we know what the Lord has disclosed, if we say we accepted what the Lord has done, but we, if we, if we don't have evidence, and, I mean, and evidence we know comes in varying sizes, different degrees of progression, but if we lack any evidence, we must question if we have genuine faith. For in the same breath that James would commend Rahab for his works, for her works, would also say that faith without works is dead. So again, the encouragement we find in Joshua is an emphatic, is an urgent call to wake up, to pay attention, to follow Rahab in a sense, to know that the Lord is the Redeemer, to know the the Lord to be her Redeemer, to seek that redemption for herself but it is also to actively place your allegiance with God and to demonstrate your faith in what you do. So that, again, saving faith, the genuine faith, the type of faith that's the instrument for salvation requires us to act out what the Lord has demanded from us. And of course, by act out, I mean to make faith practical. I mean to take what the Lord has done, to believe it true for yourself, and to walk in a way that's worthy of your profession. I think as we think about what this looks like, we actively trust and take hold of the Lord's work of redemption. And I think this might be actually the most important response. Consider that Rahab makes an oath to despise. She obeys their instruction. See that in verse 18, she places the scarlet cord outside of her window. So not only does this constitute some evidence of obedience, but it also demonstrates her trust in God for redemption. And I don't know if you noticed this, but notice how this is a picture of what happened in Egypt. When when God told his people to mark their door with the lamb's blood. So not only does Rahab sort of hear about what God does in Egypt, God gives her the grace to experience a bit of it for herself. But as we trust in God for salvation, we also cooperate with the Spirit to constantly place our allegiance with the Redeemer and live as ones who have been redeemed. That we do what the Lord has demanded from us and turn away from our idols, but turn towards him. And so then like Rahab, we respond to what we know and what we believe. That if we want to enjoy the benefits of God's covenant, it requires, again, saving faith. And such faith not only requires us acknowledging what the Lord has disclosed, And accepting what the Lord has done, but also acting out what the Lord has demanded. Trusting in Christ and walking in Christ. So in closing, I ask, again, where are you? Where is your mind? Where is your heart? Where is your walk? Do you have a genuine faith? One that acknowledges the Lord, accepts the Lord, and acts out with the Lord. What has Rahab revealed about your relationship with the Lord? And if you have examined your heart as I've been speaking, and even if you've done this probably before, and you discover, man, I lack faith, This is a call for you to repent and to turn and to believe on the Lord Jesus. And again, at the end of Joshua, we would do this urgently, that we would do this now. We don't wait. We don't hesitate. We don't ignore. God will use Joshua to call us to choose today. And though many places in the Bible, we will come to know that faith is a journey. It's not perfect but it does advance into completeness without union with Christ. And here it would never be complete. It would never be perfect, but it will exist in varying degrees towards advancement. And as we read earlier, if we wanna grow, we will trust the means that God has provided us, the ministry of his word, the exercise of worship, the diligent use of prayer. And we do this in this church that the spirit of God will use the means through his word, through worship, through prayer, and his church to grow us up in Christ. And at the end of all of that, we know that we've, we, we work out our faith from a place of faith, through the works of Christ. That we don't trust our own works for salvation, but we trust in Christ for salvation alone. But I would be remiss if I don't address those who Maybe hearing this for the first time, who doesn't know who God is and what He's done? How He's the Redeemer and rescued humanity from Satan's and the death. I want you to know that God's love is extended to you and His free offer of salvation. Rahab wasn't a part of God's family; she was a sinner, but the Lord rescued her. She was an outcast in her own society. But now she will be united to God's family. And not only that, she will become a part of God's lineage, lineage and Jesus that many believe that the woman Rahab mentioned in the Matthew chapter one is Rahab, the prostitute that we read today. And the apostle would say she's a model for faith. So this offer to be a part of God's family is available to you. And and God will use Joshua again to call you to choose today, right now, to acknowledge the Lord, to accept what he's done, and to act out what the Lord has demanded. So examine your hearts, Christian. See where you lie. Don't let a day go by without you turning to the Lord constantly and trusting in his work as the ultimate source for your salvation. May we all be challenged to follow Rahab's example. Let's pray.